if you were to knock Mayweather down, he's going to look at that. He's going to look at that information and go, okay, this is where I messed up. I can watch this film and tell you exactly why I just got punched in the face. You, as someone that is just getting into the sport or, again, doesn't really understand a lot of, of the body, if you just jump in there off the machine and you just start swinging, basically, and you're getting uh, diced up, it's just like you getting knocked out by Mayweather over and over again. You're going to be left there thinking, like, what the heck? Why did I not hit that ball? I think if you throw a new boxer in the ring of Floyd over a year, I, I think he's going to get worse because you might see how your body's, the adjustments your body needs to make, but mentally you're getting beat down over the course of a year. Not everybody internalizes failure the same way. Fellas, fellas, fellas. Welcome back to the Farm System Podcast, your home for baseball development. We're here for you, by you, and with you. I'm your co-host, Joey Cunha. And I'm Bo Callis. This podcast is designed for coaches, players, scouts, really anyone looking to further their development in the game of baseball. Here at the Farm System, we take pride in being lifelong learners, and we are here to be a bridge from where you are to where you're going. We'd like to welcome back our veteran listeners. We're happy to grow with you again. We'd also like to welcome our first-time listeners, the rookies. Don't worry, every vet was once a rookie. This podcast is brought to you by our partners over at Rapsodo. Measure to master. Rapsodo brings powerful insights into every pitch. They help players and coaches improve their performance through real data. On this episode, and you guessed it, the farm unfiltered, Bo and I talk about how the machine is being implemented, how it's being used, and when it should be used. Pull up a seat, grab your notepad. Here's Bo and Joe. Welcome back to another episode of The Farm, Unfiltered. Yeah, Joey, it's another great day to talk some baseball. And uh, today I wanted to pick your brain about something I've been seeing a lot on Twitter. It seems like it's kind of trending. I've been seeing a lot of machine work, sliders, ver- uh, variability, and speed training. It seems like the Twitter community thinks that this is the most valuable source of training. What's your opinion on this, and what do you guys like to do there at 108? Um, yeah, so I got some interesting uh, kind of takes on all that. I don't discount um, what uh, the machine can do for you. Um, I think it's a valuable tool um, that you can definitely use in its place. It's kind of like it's kind of like that old example of you can have you can have all the ingredients like a, yeah like a baker right. You can have all the ingredients to how to make something, but if you don't know in which order to uh, use those ingredients and when to add them, right? If you put the icing on and then put it in the oven, it doesn't make any sense, right? If you're baking a cake. So you got to know what order to do things in. And I think, you know, there's this kind of fairy tale that's kind of going around right now that if I just put guys on high velo machines with sliders and all the stuff that guys are magically um, just going to get better and they're going to make adjustments and all those things. And um, my kind of take on it is this, is if I was going to teach you how to box, I wouldn't just put you in the ring with Mayweather and just say, okay, you guys are going to fight for, you know, a year, right? And I'm going to come back after a year and we're going to see how much better you got. So let's say I gave him no cues, no nothing. I just, you know, my idea is he's going to self-organize, quote unquote, um, which is really some guys have a misinterpretation of what self-organization is as well. So I'll circle back to that at some point. But in any case, I'm going to put him on the machine and you're just going to all of a sudden uh, guys are just going to get way better. And, um, you know, my take on it is this, is if you came back after a year and you saw that fighter, 
would he be a little bit better? Yeah, probably. He'd probably learn some things. Um, but you know what would really probably happen if he even lasted a year is Mayweather would probably just knock him out every day for a year and probably mm-hmm. wouldn't even be able to box because uh, he'd be getting yeah. knocked out so much. So like my thought on it is this, is some people just say, well, yeah, but he's going to be getting better. But also what they take out of the equation there is also Mayweather is going to also be getting better. He's going to realize mm-hmm. because he's a professional athlete that does this every day. When he gets feedback, he interprets it and knows his body and knows, you know, a million, you know, he's been training for 10 plus years on how to interpret the data that he's, you know, getting from, and the data in that same, same point doesn't have to be like a sensor on his body. The data in that point is coming from his eyes. He's seeing that when you throw a jab, that you're dropping your punch. So then he knows how to counter that. He knows different ways of getting to you. And then now all of a sudden you're protecting your body. So then he's going to go to your head. He knows how to go head, body, head when he's punching in different combos. And again, so when, if you were to knock Mayweather down, he's going to look at that. He's going to look at that information and go, okay, this is where I messed up. I can watch this film and tell you exactly why I just got punched in the face. You as someone that is just getting into the sport or again, doesn't really understand a lot of, of the body. If you just jump in there off the machine and you just start swinging basically, and you're getting night uh, diced up, it's just like you getting knocked out by Mayweather over and over again. You're going to be left there thinking like, what the heck? Why did I not hit that ball? And mm-hmm. why that does start a good chain of thoughts. Um, there's this interpretation that all of a sudden you're just going to be this great, you know, elite guy if you just always did that. And so my thoughts are this. If that was true, if that was true, if we could just throw guys on machines and dice them with sliders and fastballs and that if that's all we needed to do and that was a majority part of our training, why wouldn't there be so much better baseball players around the nation like why wouldn't they're just why wouldn't we all just be destroying pitchers right now like we've had machines for years that's not something that's new we've had the capability Mm -hmm. like 10 years ago we had pro batters that simulated a guy throwing on a screen okay it had through sliders it threw every ball but a knuckleball i used to hit off that thing every day and guess what like i still got diced I still got mm-hmm. diced. So and I use that thing every single day. Like, believe me, that thing threw 100 mile an hour fastballs. I used to sit in there and just track balls. This was 10 years ago. It, it threw the nastiest slider that I've ever seen. Talk about tunneling. It released the ball from the same freaking hole every time and, and uh, would tunnel and then you could, and it would break. I put that thing, uh, though, I put this thing on the 12 uh, year old setting or the 10 year old setting, <laughs> right? And then put it on automatic mode. It would automatically change pitches and locations and all that stuff. I swear to you, I mm-hmm. think I'm, you know, that thing, I probably batted 100 off that thing. And it was like on the oh, 10-year-old yeah. mode. It was disgusting because everything mm-hmm. tunneled, everything tunneled, everything was from the same release point. It was disgusting. Um, yep. So my, my, my point with, you know, a big part of that is like, it's not a, like everybody wants, and I, and I get it. They want this easy, well, you know what, I'll just, you know, if I just set up off the machine and I just do this, then all of a sudden, you know, I'll be a major league athlete or I'll be a top hitting guy. And it's just like, just not true. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, when we, my perspective on that is just like same thing too, Bo, and I'll ask you this because, you know, if you don't know the same thing, like, you know, Bo's, Bo was an All-American, uh, probably one of the best hitters that I ever played with. And like, I know his routine quite a bit because we, you know, <laughs> obviously hit together quite a bit. Um, but Bo, it's the same thing too. If I were to just put you, you put you guys, or if we were to take a team, like let's say that Sterling team and all we did the whole year, if our only item was to just put guys on machines and all we did is practice off high velo machines with sliders 
do you think that the team would have got and made some of the biggest adjustments that they did that year? You know, honestly, I don't think so. And and the only reason I say that is similar situation for me at the academy I trained at growing up. We had a similar machine and we'd go on that machine daily. And it was great to see where we struggled, where we needed to make adjustments, but we didn't have the tools necessary to make those adjustments, just like the early fighter. And um, I think that's why some of those hitters at Sterling had such a hard time hitting off the machine was it showed you where you're, where you're vulnerable and where your holes are at in your swing, but they weren't equipped to make the adjustments. And, and I think that's where people come up short and only training with the machine is you're having high uh, velo, very drastic speed changes with hitters that don't know how their body is moving. And I think that's why people hated hitting off that damn machine is because not everybody internalizes failure the same way. And I also think that's why it's detrimental for hitters um, when we're talking about the boxing thing. I think if you throw a new boxer in the ring of Floyd over a year, I I think he's going to get worse because you might see how your body's, the adjustments your body needs to make, but mentally you're getting beat down over the course of a year. Not everybody handles failure the same way, Joey. That's That's a really good point. Yeah, the, the mental side of it is very big. Again, obviously, you already fail enough in baseball. Like, I doubt even professional athletes, there's a reason why those guys don't just take slider machines um, all day and then, you know, go into a game. Like, they've already, okay, if I'm 0 for 40, right? And that happens. Some people forget that in Major League Baseball. If you're yeah. 0 for 38, if you're 0 for 40, right? The last thing that I want to see, if I'm 0 for 15, okay, the last thing I want to do before game is get absolutely diced by a slider machine. Right. Mm-hmm. Like yep. it might be, yeah, there's, 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 again, maybe it's better for me to go work off a team. Maybe it's better for me to go do some other things that again, professional athletes are better with their feedback, but they're, again, those are the best, those are the best hitters in the world. And there's a reason why they don't do that. They have that option. They can do that every single day. I've been in those clubhouses. I know that they could go do that if they wanted to, but a lot of them will choose again to go back to their tea, to go back to their roots. They'll go back to, um, again, the, they go back to what they need to feel. This is a big thing. Like when I think about this is what happens is, is the machine or when you, when you turn up the intensity, it's just, it's just like, I always say with like uh, leaking pipes, when a pipe is leaking and you turn up the pressure, you really see where it sprays right mm-hmm. now, all of a sudden that drip turns into a spraying, you know, just, just spraying everywhere. It's just, you know, when you put pressure on pipes, you really see it. Right. Yep. And that's what you're doing. When you put When you turn up the intensity on a, you know, again, if you turn up the impulse or I mean the impulse, if you turn up the, um, I'm searching for a word there, but if you turn up the intensity, basically, right. if you turn Mm up, um, you know, the demand in that situation, you're putting pressure on pipes. And when you're putting pressure on pipes, you're going to see, and if, if somebody is a compensator and he compensates into his back or he compensates into, you know, his lower half is really yanking and spinning everything through, you know, what, when you put them on, when you put that pressure on, what are they going to do? They're going to spin even more. They're going to yank into yeah. their back even more. They're going to compensate even more, which is the exact reason why when you look at uh, graphs and you look at, okay, when, you know, the harder a guy throws, um, the harder the guy throws, uh, you see more strikeouts, you see more, you know, inconsistent contact, all that stuff. Because as you turn the pressure up, right, and you turn up the time constraint, you're going to start seeing a lot more errors, yeah. right? Um, yep. You're going to start seeing the body doesn't look this is my uh, another big thing is the body doesn't look to be the most efficient, right? What the mm-hmm. body looks to do is to complete a task. 
right? Yeah. So that that's the exact reason. Again, if you put five of us and we all walk and you measured our gait and did a biomechanical analysis, right? We're we all have different ways of walking and all those things. Why? Because our body is using what we have, the physical strength we have in this muscle and this muscle and our fascia and all this other stuff. Like if you combine all that stuff together, your movement capabilities, where you're tight, where you're, you know, where you're loose, okay, oh, you also throw baseballs. You also, you know, you're also a catcher. So you have a different demand in your hips, right? Your body is taking all of that information. You got shorter limbs, you got longer limbs, right? This is how I create force most effectively. This is where I'm stronger in these planes. And it takes all of that. And then it figures out a way, right? To create force um, within what it's given, right? Within these constraints that your body has, right? Mm -hmm. So the problem though is with that is while, it might be it, why some of the moves might be the best move for you to do right this second, right? Um, that doesn't mean that it's an uh, efficient move that you should do your entire life, right? Yeah. Um, so this is why I say with that, sometimes you have to change the organism and this is a big, uh, this is a big part with that. So um, when you have to change uh, how somebody moves, this is very important it is like, okay, let's say when someone is 12, um, this, how they move creates a ton of force, right? Yeah. A much more force than guys around them. And let's say that force is great for that age group, right? He hits a whole bunch of home runs, all that stuff. Right. Um, and, but if he, but again, he's throwing that haymaker, right? He can keep throwing that haymaker and be the 12, you know, 12 year old superstar, right? Or that goes all the way up. Maybe the NEIA superstar, or maybe the minor league superstar, right? But at some point, you know, you're going to face guys and, and pitching is only getting better where you're going to start seeing more and more guys um, exposed if they don't make some of these adjustments is as, you know, as the intensity turns up again, you're going to see where these leaking pipes start to spray, right? So, and this is my, this is my analogy for that as well. If we were in a weight room setting, if a guy was on, you know, doing a 350 pound deadlift and he goes to pick it up and he's compensating and rounding his back and he pulls this thing up and he's shaking and he, and it, okay. What you don't do there as a coach go, you know what we should do? We should put 450 pounds on that bar and have him do it again. Right. That's what we wouldn't do. Right. But all of a sudden when it comes into uh, progressing and teaching somebody form um, when it comes to baseball and things like that. And it's funny, we get this misinterpretation that we're just like, you know what we need to do? Um, we're going to all of a sudden throw this guy on this machine. And I know he couldn't hold that pattern when we were just doing front toss or when we were doing batting practice or overhand seated toss or angled toss or any of those other variations before we went to the machine. Or maybe he couldn't do that at 50 miles an hour on a straight fastball, but all of a sudden now I'm going to add a slider to the mix, right? All you're doing is adding weight to a bar and then you're telling them, you know what, it's okay. Keep compensating more and we'll see how that plays out. And then, and then the same thing too, imagine having a guy do a deadlift and then him compensating at 350 and then you saying, you know what, I, you know what, we'll, we'll figure it out when you go up in weight. When you go up in weight, I'll let you use that feedback to why your back hurts or why all those other things. Like, yeah, obviously, you know, in a deadlift or setting or a weight room setting in that crazy example, yeah, the guy has a real big chance of getting hurt, but I would argue the same thing, um, if not worse in the, uh, when you, when you look into like a hitter in the force that they're creating. That's like one of the fastest movements in all of sports. It's one of the fastest movements mm -hmm. in all of force. One of the most powerful movements in all of sports is swinging a baseball bat at a ball coming at them at 90 miles an hour. Like it's one of the strongest movements and the fastest things you can ever do. Right. That's why you, like you said, like 
guys tear their obliques, guys break their, you know, like break things like all the time. Um, and, and tear things like all the time when it comes to stuff like that. And when you take that in, like, again, everything's good when it's the right time, you know, again, when it's time to hammer a nail, get the hammer, right? When it's time to use the wrench, use the wrench. When it's time to use, you know, these tools, it's time to use them. Again, I'm not saying that we don't, we don't need to use machine. We absolutely need to use machine. We absolutely, you know, need to go up in weight in the weight room, right? That's not the issue. The issue is when, you know, why, how, you know, how is all these things being done and interpreting all of that, you know, if that makes sense, Bo. No, yeah, I wanted to uh, touch on piece you hit there. You touched on how our bodies adjust to the movements necessary under the constraints that we're in. No, I want you to touch on this. And we hit off that machine at Sterling. What would a lot of those guys do? You know, they completely change the way they set up. They change the way they load. They change the way they move throughout the process of striking the moving object. And it's also important to understand the reason we did that. Um, Dinkle wanted us to compete. That that might help people compete, but is that really beneficial to a hitter uh, in your opinion? Yeah, um, at the right time. At the right time. So, like, as always, I don't think anything's bad. And I don't think anything's, like, you know, necessarily always good. It just matters when you're doing them and, like, where the hitter's, like, mindset is. One thing that uh, Eugene always says um, is the only thing that you can ever do wrong is make everybody do the same thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if you're making all of your hitters hit off the machine or if you're making all of your hitters do this or that, there is a there is a time and a place. And again, maybe it's a little different. Again, maybe you turn down the speed on certain for certain guys. Maybe you have a different machine. Maybe, again, uh, this other guy is not getting so many swings off the machine. Maybe he's doing some front toss over in the side cage or whatever. And I know that's obviously, again, being a coach on that side, I understand that it is a it is a tough call to have guys do different things. But I will tell you this as well. And this is something you can easily do on a field is we have guys all the time coming in and out. And yeah, while I might have one group hitting off the machine, when it's the other's group turn the mix in, we just pull out an L screen and they can do front toss, right? Mm -hmm. Like if they're not there, then they're not there and they're still getting their work in and you're still getting the defense time. Like not everybody needs to hit off the machine. Like it's okay for maybe one group and two, again, to put those group together and say, okay, these guys are individually all working on something and they're all at the stage where they need to do it in front toss. And so, you know, again, you can pull up a screen and have those guys do that. Or there's another thing where we have certain guys that they fall into tendencies. Okay. So if I talk, if I side toss to a guy, right, if I side toss to certain guys, they start getting really pushy with their hand path, right? Mm -hmm. If I let some guys hit off the tee, they start falling into, they start spinning and they start hooking balls, right? Yeah. If I put some guys on the machine, they absolutely start spinning and their swing goes to crap, right? So then I need to go, I, like with those guys, I'd have to go backwards or I have to figure out what's a good thing for them. There's some guys, there's absolutely, okay, this is, this is kind of my take on this as well, Bo, you can kind of tell me your experience from this. But my take on this is this. I've had hitters that are really good hitters that can't hit off a machine. Yeah. But I've also had um, good hitters that can hit off a machine. But I've never had someone that can hit like, I mean, again, you have to classify what well is in my head when I'm, when I'm thinking about like, you know, actually hit, but I've never had a guy that could really hit off a machine that, <laughs> that, uh, couldn't hit in the game. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I've, I've seen the opposite. So that's, that's what I'm trying to say. So again, I see there's definitely benefit to a machine, right. Yeah. But it's just when and how to use it, you know? And, um, I think that's the biggest thing. I, I think that's the biggest thing when it comes to those things. It's just, it's not, 
if it was just a magical, you know, there's some pixie dust in that machine. And it's just like, if I just went in there and I just did that all the time, you know, it's like, yeah, there's a time and a trainer's process uh, when you're boxing that like, yeah, sparring is very important, right? But I don't go in there and spar every day. I don't go in there in the weight room and max out every day, right? There's a time and there's a place. There's a time and a place for all of those. There's a time and a place for front toss. There's a time and a place for side toss. There's a time and a place for off the tee, right? There's a time and a place for, um, you know, like every drill that I've ever used, you know? Um, it's just, yep. you got to know when, where, how, again, like you got to be a master baker, right? You got to figure out. Now, how does that apply to a normal coach, right? It's like, okay, well, maybe I'm not a master baker yet, Joey. Like how the heck do I know when, where, and how? Well, like, some simple times, obviously, too, is when you're making some bigger moves, especially I think another thing that people do with uh, the machine is and we got to stop. We got to stop uh, doing this to hitters in the same sense. The machine is not meant to teach you timing. If you're using a machine to help you with your timing, that's a bad move. If you're using the machine to help you with your adjustability because you're not going to be on time, good move, right? Yeah. So if you had like the machine is very hard to time. It's one of the, it, that's why so many guys hate it, especially guys like Bo, you know, like I know that you felt again, when you did your leg kick and all those other things that you could time it better. Right. Um, yep. now that I look back on that, I don't think it's so much that you could time it better, but when you did your leg kick, I think you got into your glutes better and you rode your hips uh, better forward and, and your pattern was more adjustable. When mm -hmm. you went from no leg kick, it was harder for you to be adjustable because it, it didn't allow you to be as athletic and all those other things. Right. Um, yeah. so I, I have like, I have hitters in here all the time when, when I have guys with really big leg kicks and usually guys with bigger timing mechanisms, some guys just hate digging bigger timing mechanisms because they've had so much bad success with it. Well, I've, I've, I've worked with so many athletes. I've seen both, right. Mm -hmm. I've seen guys with big timing mechanisms that makes them hit better. I've seen guys with small timing mechanisms that, you know, make them hit worse. Right. So I've seen both. So with mm -hmm. that being said, with that being said, there's certain guys that um, when they get on the machine, and this is where I kind of uh, change kind of my philosophy to a little bit here on this one, Bo, and I know we were kind of speaking in a different way before, but there's guys that I'll have go from launch on the machine, which launches again, like if you don't uh, understand that term is basically where you would stride, like stop, basically, get, you know, the bat's usually behind the back shoulder pointed towards the ground or depends on the hitter, but most guys are usually in a similar position. And like right before the, the turn's about to happen, right? Yeah. So some guys with a big timing move that I know it's very important to them to be in rhythm with the pitcher and dance with the pitcher and have mm -hmm. like a moving object. With a guy like that, uh, usually I'll have him just go from launch. Because again, if his swing, I don't care. Let's, let's be, let's circle, you know, go full circle on this. I could care less if the guy can hit off the machine if he's stroking in the game. I, I could care less. I, I don't care. I don't, I, the machine holds no weight with me, right? If you're the best machine hitter in the world that you can't hit, you know, in the game, I could care less. Right. Yeah. And I, and I would also add this fact because someone probably is, was probably yelling at, you know, the, yelling at their, the thing when I first said that. So I've had guys hit off the machine. I've every guy I've had hit off the machine that could hit in the game. Um, there's also variance into that too. Yeah. Okay. If the guy's hitting off the machine, the ball's coming at him at 40 miles an hour at 40 feet. That's different right? That's like hitting BP or whatever, right? There's variances in that. Yeah. I'm talking about like, you know, again, high V low slider machines, stuff like that. Like guys that can hit those 
um, are guys that I usually see that are much more uh, successful when it comes into uh, games and stuff like that. But with that being said, I've had guys that can't do either with either of those, like, you know, don't do well off the, the high velo machines, don't do well off sliders and stuff like that off the machine, but it could get in the game and absolutely crush, yeah. you know? And I think, I think that that's part of it too, is again, like some of those guys with bigger timing mechanisms, there, there's a lot of science still to be done when it comes into, you know, uh, gaze control and where guys are actually looking. And, um, I, I felt like a big thing for me, Bo, um, was I watched how the pitcher moved when I was in the on-deck circle or in the dugout. I watched how he moved and then I learned to like dance with him, right? Yeah. Like when whatever moves he was doing, I would counter them with my own move, right? And I could I had variants in my move of when I could and when I couldn't. And I got better with it as I got older. Um, mm-hmm. If I had to figure that out when I was younger and kind of understood, first off, if I could if I could probably dance, that that would that would have helped in yeah. the very beginning. It you took and me both. Years. Yeah. So I <laughs> I learned to dance. I learned to dance, and this is actually funny. I know we're kind of off topic here, but as I learned to dance, like I can actually dance a lot better now that I'm older than mm-hmm. when I was younger. In the beginning, like I didn't know how to dance. I didn't have rhythm, right? Mm-hmm. So like that's like actually one of my theories on why um, players like Latin players things like that. Like what are they always doing? Like they're always dancing, right? They're always dancing. They're always mm-hmm. finding rhythm. They're always dancing with somebody, right? So somebody's giving them visual feedback, right? And then they're adjusting their pattern, right? Their movement pattern to their pattern to match, right? To yep. And then yep. also, what are they doing with soccer, right? A lot of foot control, a lot of uh, foot placement, bracing, things like that, right? A lot of those countries play a lot of soccer, right? Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of uh, to do with that. There's a lot of crossover um, in both of those when it comes to hitting a baseball. Yep. But in any case... Um, obviously they're doing a lot more things as well. That's just a, you know, a slice of the the puzzle there, but, um, things to keep, those are like things to keep in mind. Again, it's not a magical, it's not a magical thing that you just, you know, turn it on and you say, Hey, FIO today, you just figure it out, you know, let's do this. And again, there's always those countermeasures like you were talking about, like, okay, today we're going to, you know, we're just doing this. I want you guys to compete. I need you guys to learn how to struggle, how to strike out. And then also too, you guys need to understand that you're hitting off this machine you know, one thing I used to preface, uh, Bo, when last year when I was coaching and we'd be on the field, is I would preface with guys, is like, look, you got to understand that while, you know, again, there is that, that, there's that side that guys need to learn um, how to compete in those things. Guys need to understand that when you're hitting off a machine, especially a high velo machine with sliders and stuff, you're not going to be out there hitting 800. You know, mm-hmm. like you're going to get yep. diced a little bit, right? Even when you're hitting well, right? They also have to get that mindset when guys are hitting off a machine. And, and I would say more often this should happen like when you're in season, when you're doing a whole bunch of variability and all that stuff. When you're in season, it's it's no longer the biggest time to like make a whole bunch of pattern corrections or, you know, um, all these adjustments in the swing. Yeah, sometimes it happens in certain cases. But at that point, usually you're rolling with what you got, right? At this yeah. point, you're rolling with what you got. Okay, so let's do some variability. Let's learn how to get to my A swing more often. Let's do some more machine work. And so when we, we used to have um, our guys, uh, and again, I think it trains the eyes and gets the eyes warmed up to seeing that velocity, right? Mm-hmm. All, all good things. Again, a lot more studies to be done on that to see if that's you know accurate. But I do know this, and there has been studies on this, of uh, what the most professional athletes, when they're tracking objects like that, especially when it comes to baseballs or objects that are flying very fast, there's been a ton of studies on um, the difference and what, um, their eyes do compared to what, you know, um, 
a a so a normal human being does when they look mm-hmm. at those baseballs, right? Yeah. Um. So it's it is a lot different in that sense of what they can track and how fast they can uh, track moving objects is a, a much bigger difference. Um. When it comes to stuff like that, but uh, when going back to my original point is that when our guys would hit off the machine. What I would tell them on is the same thing too. Like, hey, think of this like an at bat, right? You don't need to swing at every pitch, right? Mm-hmm. If you're off time, if you're whatever, right? That's okay. Maybe we do have a round where it's fire, you know, like fire rounds where like, hey, you have to swing. I think yeah. that also teaches adjustability too. Like, hey, you have to swing at all five of these pitches. It mm-hmm. teaches guys to be adjustable. It teaches guys to have a yes, yes, yes mentality, right? Um, and, and and some guys hit better. And sometimes guys go in their games like that. That's fine too. So, but I was like, a big thing that I was talking to with guys is like, look like i know this is hard first off this is hard i'd preface that before guys would go in hey yeah this is hard this is not yeah. easy look at the best hitters on the team they're going to struggle with this more you know like they're not out here just stroking balls over the fence right like that's yeah they might get a couple but again when we're doing when we're testing an organism like this and we're testing it at the highest level with you know in a game like how many hits are we going to usually get in a game right and if i'm throwing harder and changing thing and i have a thing and it's tunneling out of the same hole and all that stuff like there's some aspects of that that a machine is very hard to hit so i try to tell them it's like look it's okay like i understand this is very hard but i need you to um accurately assess what you're doing wrong because just like if a a fighter was uh, you know with uh mayweather right if he thinks oh i got punched in the head because um i dropped my arm right and then all of a sudden you keep your arm up and then mayweather punches you in the ribs instead right um it's like it's like that sounds good um all that sounds great but at the end of the day, like you got to understand, you know, exactly what is the change that you need to make um, and try to try to accurately assess that feedback rather than, you know, just make changes to make changes because you think it might work, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to touch on something you hit on there, too. Do you 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 liked doing last year when you played, you liked hitting off the machine during season, like in the middle of the season? Um, I liked I mixed it in. Um. I didn't do it every day. Like usually this is how I facilitated that is maybe two days before a game, we would do machine and I'd kind of dice them a little bit, but I would get their eyes kind of going. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then the day of the game or the day before the game, again, depends on if I knew I was going to be able to hit BP. Uh, you know, I was in, I was coaching some high school guys. So I, if I was, you know, figuring out if, you know, where, where are we going to be able to hit BP before the game or whatever? Uh, usually going into games, uh, most of my guys wanted to f- just feel good, right? Yeah. So again, doing some BP um, and stuff like that, just, you know, again, they wanted to feel their body working, how they wanted it to work. Uh, they wanted to work on the things that we had planned earlier in the week, you know, things like that. The majority of our guys were were doing that. Now, don't get me wrong. There was some of our guys that just liked hitting uh, below before the game, which I'm cool with as well. So again, mm-hmm. I would just set it up. What would I do? I had the machine set up. So some guys did machine, and then when a guy wanted BP, I would have another screen, and I would just go throw BP, mm-hmm. right? So I, I would have two screens. Some guys would get machine. Some guys would get BP. Whatever you need to get ready for this game, right, I'm down mm-hmm. for. Obviously, I'm a part of that process where I say, hey, I think you should hit machine today. Or, hey, I think you should hit um, sliders down and away before the game today. I think that would help you uh, lock in and not, you know, some guys hit BP before the game, and I think it would mess up their swing. Right. Um, I think, you know, um, and I think especially if they didn't have a plan in BP or they're just trying to, you know, there's guys out there that are just trying to hit jacks in BP. Um, I was one of those guys, Bo. So 
Uh, don't yeah. hate on me for that. Okay? But uh, with that being said, with with that being said, that didn't really help me too much in the game. So yeah. um, I obviously am a voice to that, and I guide that process. You know, um, but it's definitely not a you know everybody has to do this, everybody has to do that. I always kind of provided some options within a realm, right? You know, you can't just go do anything because you are part of this team, right? Yeah. But at the same time too, you're part of this team, you're part of this family and I care about your success. So I will cater towards what I think is best for you as well, you know? Yeah. Well, I want to add in there too. You did have a plan. Your plan was to, was to just hit jacks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if I was going to get, if I was going to get 10 hacks that day, okay, I just wanted eight of them to be out of the yard, all right? So, yeah. <laughs> No, I I just wanted to ask that because when you know me, I, I'd get in there and compete. But sometimes when I was going good, I wouldn't want to hit off the machine yeah. if we were playing that week. Yeah. If that makes sense. No, 100%. Yeah. Like I said, I don't care. I don't care what we do. Yeah. I care what it produces. Yep. <laughs> you know, I could care less. I could care less. If Bo, if, Bo, if every day, if, if we just wanted to show and go and our team crushed, well, then we showing and going, baby. Like that's, <laughs> that's, that's good. Like I could care less. I don't like, I have no ego about the plan. I, you know what I'm saying? Like I could care less now. Like, like, and I, I think it's that old, that quote that I, I posted uh, this the other day on my Twitter. I forgot who said it, but the plan is everything. The plan is nothing. Okay. And what that means is it's everything to like, have an idea of what you want to do and have a plan of attack and whatever. Right. But also to the plan means nothing when, you know, when that plan's not working and you have too much of an ego to, the change, like you got to be also able to adapt and go, Hey, I don't know why this is working. You know, we'll figure out the science on this later, but I'll tell you what, when we do this, we rate, you know? Yeah. And like, that's fine. Like function, function will always come before uh, ego or science. Right. And, yeah. and when I say that, it's not that science can't um, tell you why, but maybe we just don't know why yet we know mm -hmm. that it works. Right. But what are we going to do? We're going to go, well, we have no studies. We have no, I, well, we don't have enough sample sizes, Bo, to, to tell you why this works and blah, blah, blah. Who, okay, who cares? Who cares? Yeah. There's, not a, there's not a whole bunch of science on a whole bunch of stuff yet because yep. it, that's fine because guess what? They're not, people are paying millions and millions of dollars to figure out why this guy can't hit a fastball. Like, yeah, they're figuring it out and like, yeah, there is some people that will be willing to go to that, that realm, but guess what? There's bigger things going on in the world. You know where research money is being sent, spent, Bo? Cancer. Mm -hmm. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. research money's being spent other directions. So, guess mm -hmm. what, baseball guys? It's okay. We'll have to end up figuring it out ourselves. But guess what? Function always comes first. If it works, do it. If it doesn't work, stop doing it. <laughs> like that's it. If if anything I said right now, take take this when you walk away. If you already half of you guys probably already turned it off. If you didn't, you didn't like my take on that. But this is my take on me. If I say something and it doesn't work. Stop doing it. Not maybe it doesn't mean that I'm wrong. Maybe you're just doing it wrong, right? Maybe it's not working. Maybe there's other things. And it doesn't mean too. Maybe it's not the right time to do what I'm saying, right? There could be something else wrong. And also take this too. I'll tell you this, Bo. You know, even though right now off the top of my head, I can't remember a time I was ever wrong. Um, what I can't think of, Bo, is that I'm wrong also all the time. So when you when you take that and you're thinking about that thing, is like, you got to take in that interpretation. Like at the end of the day, it comes back to this basis. If it works, do it. If it doesn't work, stop doing it. You're probably doing something wrong. And also to give it some time to work too. That don't hear what I'm not saying. Okay. If it, give it some time to work as well. But at the end of the day, like that's what it comes. It comes back down to function. 
if it ain't functioning and it ain't working, then like we got to stop doing that. We got to figure some out. We got to ask more phone calls. We got to stop with the insanity approach and keep doing stuff the same way. Like, you know, we got we to gotta figure that out. One more thing that I wanted to, you know, add to that as well is, look, okay, for years and years before machines were ever even involved, the Babe Roofs, all these guys, okay, even when we did have machines that just weren't accurate and we weren't, you know, we had the realm of just BP, we've been producing some of the best athletes, right, uh, when it comes to or the best baseball players that have ever lived that didn't have a machine, that weren't doing high velo reps, they didn't have a machine that can throw them 90 miles an hour, right? And with that being said, like these guys have been developing for years, all-stars, Hall of Famers, all of that stuff without doing it. So my, my take is this, does, does that mean that we should never do machine? No. What I'm saying here is this, if we're not doing machine, we're missing some people. If everybody's doing the machine to get better, we're also missing some people because there was Hall of Famers and all-stars that were made that never did it. Yeah, man, love that. Such good insight. I think this is a great time to transition to the call takeaway. This call takeaway is brought to you by Silverback Sports. Silverback Sports is the alpha when it comes to arm care and training essentials. Silverback's training products are constructed from premium material and are designed to be durable and dependable to withstand the toughest and most rigorous throwing or training programs. Visit shopsilverback.com to see their entire line of high-quality products at very affordable prices. Also, follow them on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook to stay up to date at Shop Silverback. That's at Shop Silverback. Awesome. Yeah, guys, make sure to check out Silverback. They have some quality products. We also use them over here at 108. So make sure to check those out. But, uh, Bo, uh, what's your call takeaway? Yeah, I think my biggest takeaway, you hit it right there at the end. Um, I think you summed it up with function comes first. Uh, if it's working, write it out. Um, you know the saying, if it's not broken, um, there's no reason to fix it. Uh, there, there's not one means to an end, and we need to continually adapt, continue to challenge ourselves to get better each and every day. And when we start to get comfortable, that's when we need to change something up and maybe challenge ourselves a little bit. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, guys, you know, as always, um, share info, give us some feedback. Uh, if you guys can um, share our our podcast, rate us on on uh, iTunes. It always helps us a lot, quite a bit. It spreads us in the community. Um, and again, we try to do everything we can for you guys. Really appreciate when you guys spread the word about us and tweet. Um, as always, when you guys tweet, you know, Bo, I, and the farm system, we always try to do everything we can to spread the love about you. Uh, make sure to hit on those things. But until next time, from us and our partners over at Rapsodo, the farm system out.